Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Michael Kaiser, Executive Director of the National Cybersecurity Alliance. That's a public-private partnership that promotes cybersecurity awareness to the American public. Welcome, Michael. Uh, thank you. Delighted to be here. To start off, how would you assess the cybersecurity hygienic practices of the American Internet user? I would say that we have some work to do, that it seems that Americans, and I'm going to speak generally here about Americans in all walks of life and small and medium-sized businesses, are starting to get some of the messages about what they're supposed to be doing, such as updating their security software on a regular basis, updating their web browser and their operating systems, changing their passwords. We know that they're hearing those messages, but um, distressingly, we're finding out that in a lot of cases, they're not necessarily acting on those bad advice to keep themselves more safe and secure. We see, um, for example, in the area of passwords, that people are still using things like 1234 and password um, as their passwords or never even changing the default password that they get when they log into a new system. Why do you suspect that they're aware of better IT security practices but don't follow through? I think we're not 100% sure about that yet, and we're starting to do some research to look into what can motivate people. We think in the way our cultures evolved and we think about things like seatbelts. We knew for a long time that it was right to wear our seatbelts. The evidence was out there that people who were in accidents got more severely injured than those when they weren't wearing their seatbelts and those that didn't. But it takes a while for those things to become normative behavior in our culture. And I think most of us now have young kids know that they have no idea that seatbelts are against the law, but it's certainly against the law in my car. If I start to drive away without my seatbelt on, my young child is going to demand that I put my seatbelt on before we leave. We have a time frame that we have to go through so people start to adopt these behaviors as being something that is required as a person living in the digital world. Is this something that should be legislative? Seatbelt laws are legislative, and are there ways to compel people to practice cybersecurity hygiene? At this point, I would say that legislation is probably not the way to go in this regard. I think with seatbelt, there were some issues that one make it it's a very simple procedure. You're either wearing it or you're not. And the people set to enforce that are already the people who are enforcing other traffic safety on the road. So you had a built-in mechanism to do that. I think we still have to give people a chance to do better. We have to encourage them to do better. We have to educate them about why it's important to do better and also help them, I think, in part understand, and I think this is one of the things that we emphasize a lot at the National Cybersecurity Alliance, that their behavior has an impact on other people. So if your system is not secure in your home, your business, you run the risk of infecting other computers around you and making the Internet less safe for everybody else. And I think we can start to tap into that a little bit better and let people know that they're not just acting alone. I have hope, and I don't think that we require at this point a whole infrastructure to make to legislate it and make it happen. I do think we see emerging in some areas, We've had for a while around things like credit cards, there are some compliance issues, and there are some data protection issues, and I think those things should always be explored because they're in everybody's best interest. Do you see any kind of usefulness in a law to get Internet service providers or other businesses that work with users to get them to practice it and, and, and require them to? For example, today, my bank, when I went online, I had to change my user identification or else I couldn't use the system. Having that kind of regulation or law to compel those kinds of practices. 
what you're touching on is actually a really important topic, that there are more things that everybody could be doing to make us safe and secure, and that people should be open to those. I think we'll know we're making better progress when people say, oh, my bank asked me to change my password today, and I did it, and I didn't think of it as an inconvenience or a problem that they asked me to change it. I thought of it as Thank you, Bank, because I know that by changing my password, which is probably something I wouldn't do on my own unless I was prodded to do it, it's something that makes me more safe and secure. And I think those are the kinds of things we'll see, and I think we will see more of those. I don't think they'll necessarily be legislated. I think they'll be taking advantage of the tools that are out there. As these tools become better and Internet service providers or banking sites or other e-commerce sites get better tools to make you use their site more safely and securely, I hope that they'll start to implement them, whether it's multiple levels of authentication, so requiring additional information beyond a login and a password to prove who you are. And I think we'll also maybe start to see some standardization of some of these things as time goes on as well that will probably grow up from industry and government working together to solve some of these problems, which is what we prefer. The National Cybersecurity Alliance is also about encouraging people to enter the IT security field. In your blog, you write the need to spark and inspire young people to think about careers in cybersecurity and you cite cyber challenges and competitions as a way to engage them. A few questions on this. First, are the math skills of American students sufficient enough to produce the needed number of people to become cybersecurity specialists, let alone in other fields that require math knowledge? I think the answer to that, unfortunately, is no. We know that in the science, technology, engineering, and math, or what they call the STEM education, we are falling far behind, and there is great concern that young people are not getting the basic skills they need at the high school level, for sure, but even starting a little bit earlier, the foundational knowledge they need in these curriculums in order to be ready, actually, when they get to college, to take on more advanced math work and science work that they need to take on not only careers in cybersecurity, but other technical careers as well. And it's very critical for us to have educated young people coming into the workforce. And I think in the cybersecurity more specifically, we need young people to take on the challenges of the next generation of defending our cyber assets and our cyber infrastructure. And, and they will need that basic education. It gets more technical as time goes on. Let's say there are a sufficient number of people out there who can head toward careers in cybersecurity, but we're still talking about half a generation away before these people can work in government and business to help defend IT systems. But the problem is immediate. Is there a way to address that? The problem is immediate. A half a generation, I'm not sure if I would agree it's quite that long because there are certainly probably people entering college today who could come out in four years and could play a role in being, you know, cyber defenders. There are people in other disciplines, like in, in the armed service, who get regularly trained on things like information assurance, which are, you know, can be a great backbone and a grounding foundation in some of these topics. But I do think that the immediate need is very pressing and that young people should see those in college now who are studying things like computer science and other things, that there may be opportunities for them as cyber defenders that they hadn't considered before. I think one of the issues that we focus on as an education and awareness organization is that there aren't enough role models for young people to see the careers that are out there, so it's hard for them to perceive themselves as being in these careers. And I think if we cast some light on some of our best cyber defenders and the work they're doing and the kinds of education they got to get their jobs, why they like their jobs, why their jobs are interesting, I think we'll see more people come into this field. I think that companies and government will, part of the immediate response is by doing additional training now to get people up to speed.
Do you see uh, other fields as the big competition? And I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I wrote a story about a decline in computer science majors. And at that time, you had these TV shows that dealt with forensics, and, and, and they were losing students that used to go into computer science into the areas of forensics. Uh, are you seeing that today, something like that happen? I don't know exactly what the trend would be in regards to that, but I think what you're raising is a really interesting point, is that their popular culture does play a role in how people vision what they're going to do in the future. And so I think you're right. When people see these shows that show these exciting careers in forensics, and I'm not sure that the careers that they actually end up on are as exciting as the things on the television shows, <laughs> and things don't often get wrapped up in an hour like they do on TV, but that they gravitate towards those. And so that's the kind of the example that I'm talking about in terms of more role models out there for young people to see that there's exciting opportunities in the cyber world. I mean, we do have some shows that, like 24, for example, that where cyber plays a huge role and some other ones. And I think as young people see that, they may get excited about those as possible careers. But that's a societal shift that we all have to buy into. And it's something that we have to help young people not only see it on TV as an opportunity, but also back it up in the classroom the kinds of education that supports them actually achieving that. Can you cite some role models? Well, I can. I mean, the, the, you know, the problem is that they're not always out in the public. I mean, I talk to chief information security officers at, you know, major corporations all around the country all the time, and these are smart, active, activated people who are interested in defending the networks and protecting the networks that they work on. These people are engaged in really important work, and I think take a lot of satisfaction in the work that they do. You know, I have young children, and by the time they get into second or third grade, they've seen the fire engine, they've been to the firehouse, they've seen the policeman, they've talked to a policeman, and they have in their mind, ooh, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a fireman. And not that they all grow up to be firemen, but they can envision that that's something that they could do, and we need to have similar role models. It doesn't have to be celebrity status. One of the programs we operate is Cybersecurity Awareness Volunteer Education Program where we encourage IT professionals to go into the schools and teach kids cybersecurity, safety, and ethics. And there's an opportunity there to talk about their job and what they do. And I think young people can connect with all kinds of adults in this field to get a vision about what they might do in the future. Thanks, Michael. Okay. Thank you. That's Michael Kaiser, Executive Director of the National Cybersecurity Alliance. I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.